We've had a wonderful growing season in Middle Tennessee this summer. There's just no doubt about that. Everything has just been excellent. We've had everything just the way you would want it if you were wanting to grow things this summer season. We've had just lots of rain, and of course that is always necessary. And we've had bright, sunny days, warm, and just perfect for growing conditions. Now, if you're like me, that is not necessarily totally what you want, because that means you're just going to have to keep mowing the grass, right? Usually about August, we think that the the grass has sort of dried up and stopped growing, and you might be able to go several weeks without mowing the lawn. Not this summer, still mowing the grass. Last time I mowed my grass, it wadded up and balled up green, sappy grass like it is in the springtime. That's the kind of growing season that we have had. But if you're a farmer... It's exactly what you want, of course. If you're a farmer, it is excellent. And the crops are looking so good in the fields. But it's just been a great growing season. The Bible makes a lot of references to growing things and to harvesting. And Jesus based one of his most famous parables on that. It is the parable of the sower that Brent read for us earlier. And in that parable, Jesus said a sower went out to sow his seed... And we know all the ins and outs of that parable. But he says the parable is this. The seed is the word of God and the seed needs to be sown. We're not going to dive into the parable and the different kind of soils upon which the seed fell. That's another study altogether. But this morning for our study, I just want us to emphasize the need for sowing the seed. We are to be sowers. Sowing the seed. The seed is the word of God. We are to be teaching the lost, converting lost sinners. It's a very important part. The work that God has for those of us who are his children, we are to be sowing the seed. So we want to take that concept of sowing the seed of the word of God, and we want to connect that with what a farmer does when he plants seeds. And we'll simply entitle our study this morning, "What, What Every Farmer Knows. There are some things that every farmer knows about planting his physical seed in the ground. And those same concepts apply to us as God's children when we're trying to sow the seed of the word and spread the gospel message in the world all around. And so we want to try to draw our lesson from that for a few minutes this morning. What every farmer knows. We stop here just briefly to thank everybody for being here on this beautiful Lord's Day morning. We're glad that you're here. We appreciate your uh, zeal and enthusiasm that got you up on a Sunday morning and brought you to this place to join in together in these periods of Bible study and worship. Thank you for being here today. And thanks for the encouragement that you lend to the rest of us. We certainly want uh, to pray that God will be glorified by our worship this morning. That's our main objective. But we're also hoping that we'll all be edified and encouraged. We especially greet our visitors, uh, as Monty already did earlier. We're glad for visitors who are here. We hope you'll come back when you have a chance. Let's talk about things about sowing seed. And there's a there's a, really a direct connection between the idea of sowing a physical seed and sowing this seed, which is the Word of God. What does every farmer know? Well, one thing every farmer knows is that when he sows, the more he sows, the more he will harvest. For, for instance, if a farmer planted 20 acres of a certain crop, he would expect a harvest on 20. But if he planted 200 He'd expect a whole lot more harvest, right? The more you plant, the more you harvest. 
And that's just common sense. And every farmer knows that. But any of us who are not even farmers, we know that. Now, apply that to the idea of sowing the seed of the, of the kingdom. Uh, uh, apply that to the idea of reaching out to lost sinners, trying to instruct them in the Word of God. If I try to reach out to two people, I might expect some sort of result from that. But I, if, I, if I tried to reach out to 20 people, I would expect to harvest a whole lot more. Wouldn't that make sense? I think it obviously would. And so we just need to be trying to get the message to more people. Personally, I need to talk to more people. Collectively, as we work together congregationally, we, try to, we need to try to reach more people. The more people we reach, the greater the sowing, the greater the harvest. In Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, the prophet says, So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I send it. And so good results from spreading the gospel message. And we really need to be committed to that. God promised it's not going to be void. It's not, it's not going to do no good at all. When we spread the gospel message, when we sow that seed, it's going to produce what God wants it to produce. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that everybody who hears it is going to be converted and become a Christian. We know that's not true. That was never true. It wasn't true in the first century time frame. Jesus didn't convince everybody that he talked to. But the fact of the matter is that when we put the message out there, at least that opportunity is provided to them. In the very parable of the sower, some of that seed brought forth good fruit, but not all of it did, but it was still sown. And that's the idea that we're stressing here. The more we put out there, the greater the, the return is on what has been planted. God promised that, and we know that that's true. So a farmer knows plant more, get more. If we plant more, there's more return on what has been planted. Secondly, I would suggest that every farmer also understands that it's not enough to just plant, that you also have to cultivate what you have planted. Now, you don't just throw the seed down on the ground and then walk away and forget it. Absolutely not. Uh, Roger would tell us that when he plants a field, that's pretty significant investment that it takes just to get the seed in the ground. And so you don't just put the seed in the ground and then forget all about it. You have to nurture the seed uh, to bring it to harvest. Farming techniques have really changed in, within our lifetimes. And so, you know, you used to see the farmers out in the, in the fields with their tractors actually literally cultivating the fields. You know, they had the cultivators on their tractors and they were trying to go down the rows and dig out the weeds. And, and not much of that's done at all anymore. And, and now a lot of chemical applications accomplish that in a, in a better way. But the point of it is still you've got to nurture that seed. You, you've got to if you want to use the term in a general fashion, you've got to cultivate what's been planted. You've got to, you can't just forget about it. You've got to bring it along. And so the same is true with the seed, which is the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Notice that. Paul had done the initial planting. Apollos followed up his work watered, cultivated, nurtured the seed to help it grow uh, and come to perfection. And, and that's what has to happen. We have to keep working. It is very rare, although there are instances when it happens, it's very rare 
that you could teach someone one time and that would be enough and they would obey the gospel and become a faithful Christian. That's just a rare occurrence. I think, I mean, we read of some instances like that in the New Testament, but I even think in New Testament times that was relatively rare. More often, you plant that seed, then you have to work with that seed. You have to nurture that seed. You have to bring it along. And so that person that I'm trying to reach with the gospel, I may talk to him once. And then again a second time. And a third and a fourth time. And maybe 10 or 20 times I try to reach that same person with a gospel message. Trying to nurture that seed uh, that has been planted. I know our young people in their Bible class are studying the book that probably many of you have read, Muscle and Shovel. It talks about a man who was converted to Christ. But he fought that conversion. A co-worker of his worked very hard over quite a long period to convince him of the truth. He didn't just throw the seed down and walk away. That co-worker kept working with this fella to convince him of what was the truth. And that's the way it happens. We've got to cultivate what has been planted. Every farmer knows that. And we ought to know that too about our work of sharing the gospel message with other people. Every farmer knows that he's got to keep on working even when times are tough. What do you do when times are tough? Uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's a very bad growing year. We said we, earlier we had a, a good growing year. And what if it's a very bad growing year? Things are not going well. That happens. Well, I guess you've got two options when things are not going well on the farm. You could quit or you could work harder. Uh, you know, it, it has been pointed out that any farmer can do okay in a good year, but it takes a good farmer to make it through a bad year. And I want to suggest to you that's the same for us when we're sowing the seed that is the Word of God. Uh, tough times. Tough times. I, some, we point out that we live in, in a different sort of an age and it's harder, I think, to reach people with the gospel than it was maybe 75 years ago or 100 years ago. Back 75 or 100 years ago, we read about brethren throwing up a tent. Uh, sometimes they called them brush arbor meetings. And they, they would just announce that they were going to have preaching. And whole communities of people would turn out. And they might continue that teaching for two, three weeks, a month. And people would keep coming and dozens, sometimes even hundreds of people would be baptized uh, by virtue of one of those tent meetings or brush arbor meetings. I'll tell you, we don't have that kind of result anymore. Times have changed. There's just no doubt about it. But I don't want us to offer ourselves a tremendous excuse and say, well, we live in hard times, therefore, what do we do? We quit. No, when times are hard, you try harder, right? Just like the farmer, when, uh, when, they, when he has a bad year, he tries harder to make it. And that's what we've got to do. But I'm going to tell you, I think we live in a different age. And trying to spread the gospel is difficult in our time. But I'm going to tell you, it's certainly not like it was when Jesus gave his disciples the Great Commission. In Mark 16, verse 15, you know well, Jesus said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. When he told them to do that, and by the way, that commission filters down to us even today but i'll tell you it was hard times you think we live in hard times for spreading the gospel those early disciples lived in very hard times when they faced harsh terrible persecutions 
They didn't give up. They kept on spreading the word. Jesus had told them, it's not going to be easy. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 22, Jesus said, You shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Jesus said, it's going to be hard. But the key is you've got to endure. He that endureth to the end shall be saved. And so we've got to keep on going through hard times. In fact, there's a sense in which hard times provide amazingly good opportunities. In John chapter 4, verse 35, Jesus said, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then come at the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. We just need to lift up our eyes and look. And oftentimes, in, in hard times, there are great opportunities to do good for the kingdom's sake. Someone has said that Satan's calendar always says tomorrow. Satan's calendar says do it tomorrow. Whereas God's calendar says do it today. Satan's glad for us to just keep postponing this. It's not a good time. People are not interested. We're just not, we're just not going to be able to reach people. People are too, too distracted by other things in the world today. There's no use trying. But maybe we'll try tomorrow. Maybe things will get better later on. Satan's calendar says do it tomorrow. As long as he can keep us postponing that and putting it off till tomorrow, he's accomplished his goal. God's calendar says do it today. And even if times are hard, work hard. Work harder when times are hard. A good farmer knows that it's, you just got to keep working through those tough times. Certainly a farmer knows that he must be patient and wait for the harvest. Um, you don't plant the seed today and harvest it today. You don't plant the seed today and harvest it tomorrow. Or next week. Or usually not even next month. You plant the seed, you nurture the seed, you keep working, and then you wait for the harvest. Again, I hope we can see a, a good, real application of that to our work of spreading the gospel. Uh, you're going to have to have some patience here because it doesn't just, it's not like falling off a log to reach lost people and convert them to Christ. It's not that easy. Uh, we're going to have to work hard, we're going to have to keep working, and you're going to have to be patient and endure. Uh, in this work. How often, though, is it tempting for us to say, this isn't working. This isn't working. Uh, There's no use. Let's just quit. This isn't working. A a farmer doesn't do that, and we can't do that either. You've got to be patient, and you've got to keep waiting for the harvest to come. In James chapter 5, verse 7, James 5, 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, till he receive the early and latter rain. There, James even makes this analogy that we're making this morning. What does the husbandman, or we would say, what does the farmer do? He waits. He patiently waits. He has long patience. Notice, he doesn't just wait. He has long patience for it. Till he receives the early and lighter rain. That's what we have to do. We have to be patient in this work of serving the Lord. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. I think it's easy to be weary. I mean, I, uh, we've tried and we've tried and we've tried. We haven't seen uh, 
the kind of success that we would hope for. Paul says, don't grow weary in well-doing. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. And so we need that patience. A farmer knows he has to patiently wait for the harvest. Finally, let me suggest to you that the farmer knows that he needs some help with this anyway. He's going to do his part. Now, obviously, his part, as we've been pointing out here, he's got to sow. And the more he sows, the better, better chances of a big harvest. He's got to sow, and the more the better. He's got to tend to that seed. He's got to cultivate it. If it's tough times, he doesn't give up. He keeps working. He patiently waits for the harvest. But the farmer knows that it's not all in his control. Now, not everything is, is in, in the power of his hand. Now, he does what he can, but he knows he needs some help along. If, for instance, a farmer has no control if there's an invasion of insects. Now, he's going to have to jump to it and try to treat that if he gets an invasion of insects, but he can't stop the invasion of insects. He may have to, he may have to deal with it when it comes, but that's the, what the insects do is not in his power. He, he may have to react to what they do, but he can't stop what they do. If there's a blight of disease, that happens, and he's going to have to react to that. He's going to have to deal with that. If there's no rain, of course, that's a terrible prospect for a, for a farmer. But I'm just pointing out, not everything is in the farmer's power to do on his own. He needs some help along the way. And so do we when it comes to this work of harvesting souls for the Lord. In Luke chapter 10, beginning verse 2, the Lord says, Therefore he said to them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. And so here... Jesus suggested, seek God's help in this important work. Pray ye therefore the Lord of harvest. And, and we need to do that. We're trying hard to do the work of the Lord in spreading the gospel. And we need his help in doing that. And, and we should pray that he would help us in this important work. And so the parable of the sower is really, as we said at the outset, one of Jesus' most famous parables. Um, it itself has a lot of interesting uh, details that we did not discuss in our lesson this morning. But we're just drawing from the point that we're supposed to be sowers. And what we're sowing is the Word of God. We're trying to harvest souls for the Lord. It's a really important part of the work that God has given us to do. And we need to take it seriously. And we need to stay motivated in regards to sowing the seed of the kingdom. It's an important part of what the Lord wants us to be doing. And, and we can never relax and say, it is enough. We've done enough. We don't have to try anymore. There's always more that we can be doing. And I hope that we'll be seriously committed to that, to accomplish all that we can individually, each one of us as a, as a Christian, but also collectively as we work together in the congregation. If each of us are doing our own individual part, and if when we come together collectively as a congregation, we are able to achieve more, good things will come. And we need to be committed to that. Thanks for your good attention to what we've had to say. And hope it's helpful in motivating us to do this important work. We're going to sing a song of invitation. As we sing this song, we'll be asking everyone, think about your life and your situation and your relationship with the Lord. Make sure it's right. If you're not a Christian yet, of course, that speaks to the necessity of obeying the gospel plan of salvation. Hear the truth. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith in Jesus. 
be baptized for the remission of sins. If you've not done that yet, we hope you'll make that decision. We'd be anxious to assist you in your obedience. But if you need more information and and you have some questions, maybe you have some serious questions in mind about what to do and how to do it, we'd be anxious to sit down and study with you so that you can make that informed decision. If you're a Christian already and you've fallen back from faithfully serving the Lord, we beg you come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing.